This is Pastor Brandon from Olive Branch Baptist Church. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Young Church service. Young Church is comprised of middle and high school students that meet weekly from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday nights. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this message. Job YC United, appreciate you leading us in worship. Bless you. You're welcome. All right, have you missed us? Yeah. Heroes. We left you on a cliffhanger, but you, you, don't, you don't have to wait a year like Infinity War until the next movie comes out. We're, we're going to give it to you right now. We're going to shorten it up a little bit. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you in the book of Judges. We're going to be roundabouts chapter 6, the whole thing. And uh, so get, grab a Bible, break out your phone. If you, if you have your Bible on your phone, use that. Just make sure you stay in the Bible app. What do you guys remember so far? We've talked about four different Judges. Well, yeah, four different judges, four weeks. The first week was intro, but we doubled up one week. Who were the different judges? Do you guys remember? One of them was Echud, right? Yeah, and what did Echud do? Yes, now Nick Lambert has just like threw a lightning bolt at my brain a couple weeks ago. Tell, tell me what you said. How do you remember Echud? Check that out. That's pretty cool, right? Ehud, I, I was like Assassin's Creed, this dude's an assassin, but that's better. Ehud, the left-handed dude. Yeah, so Ehud, remember, and he stabbed a guy in the belly, and his, he was so fat it just got sucked into him, and it didn't even come out. And then he like snuck out through the window and like got the whole army together, and he like one-handedly took down the king. That was pretty cool, right? So he was like an assassin. He was an assassin, a warrior of legend. What else do we remember? That's right, yes. She wasn't a judge, but she was part of that story, right? So remember, Deborah was the judge, right? And Deborah was like, cool, right? She was like, you know what? The men should do it. And the, men, the guy was like, I'm scared, right? And so she jumped in and, all right, I'll do it. And she led them to victory. And then, yeah, we had that chick who was like, you know what? This guy's evil. I'm going to trick him. She gave him she, he asked for water. She gave him what? Milk. Well, yeah, <laughs> eventually a tent spike in the temple, yeah. But she gave him milk to get him all nice and cozy, said she would watch and make sure nobody came by for him, and then took a tent spike and went right through his head, nailed him to the ground, stuck him there. Never yeah. Died. Oh, no, he died. He, never, um, he did die, yeah. So then we had another guy named Othniel. Do you guys remember him? I remember he was, a, he was already kind of famous, right? He had a famous uncle, Right, And he was already kind of famous for being a warrior, so God raised him up. And then there was another guy, and I, even I forgot who he was right after Othniel. It was very short. One verse we heard about him. But we ended with Deborah, right? Remember, we had, the, the guys already had way too much fun. It was time for a lady to get in charge, right? Like Wonder Woman to step up and save the DC universe from terrible movies, right? Amen? Yeah, anybody? No. Uh, who's a comic book nerd with me? Come on now. There we go. So anyway, so Deborah steps up, and uh, there's... 40 years of peace, we've, got, we've ended off with that. Now remember, there's this cycle, okay? And you guys know it. How does it start? Yeah, they're like, they're like all good with God, right? And then they see something shiny, and they're like, I got to worship that. And so they turn to idols, and then because of that, God says, you know what? These people are going to be in charge of you. So they come in, and they, they get ruled by someone. And they're like, this kind of stinks, right? And, and they, they were like, we need somebody. So they cry out to God. They repent. God raises a and then rescues them, right? And then when they're rescued, they got some peace. Everything's going good. And then they see something shiny. And then it just continues and continues again. 
Well, guess what happens this week? Something shiny. It's the same thing. The cycle continues again. But it picks up a little bit differently this time. So they got 40 years of peace this time. And then they have seven years of oppression under the Midianites. And this is kind of, it's kind of interesting because this is a punishment for something that happened way long ago. Back out, as soon as they got out of Egypt, they were supposed to wipe out these people. Remember, they didn't do it. And the Midianites were one of these people. Right? And so they said, well, you didn't do it. Now the Midianites are going to be in control of you. And so some of these people from Israel joined the Midianites and worshipped one of their gods. And his name, if I say it so you don't laugh because it sounds inappropriate, it's Baal. But it's actually pronounced Baal. Right? And some of you laughed the first week because you're inappropriate and you have dirty minds. But that's how it's pronounced, Baal. And remember, Baal was this god. It was like this, this sexual immorality god. right? And they would, they would have these like temple prostitutes and a lot of weird stuff, right? And they thought that, oh, I want some of that. So they started worshiping that God. Well, these are those same people. These are the people that worship that God, the Midianites. And so Israel now gets captured by them. So they're probably thinking, well, this ain't so bad, right? I like this God. But then it starts to turn sour, right? And things don't go so well. So they spend seven years under of, of, of oppression, and finally they're ready to come back. But this time it changes a little bit. It doesn't start with a judge. It actually starts with a prophet this time. So in Judges chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. The Israelites did what was evil in whose sight? God's sight, the sight of the Lord. Sound familiar? So the Lord handed over, over to Midian seven years, and they oppressed Israel. Because Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the Kemetites came and attacked them. They encamped against them and destroyed the produce of the land, even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. They came and their camels were without number, and they entered the land to lay waste to it. So Israel became poverty-stricken because of Midian, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. So they've had enough. All their stuff's getting ruined. They're trying to hide their stuff. They're trying to do things in secret, still getting ruined no matter what they do. And so they said, you know what? Hiding's not working. We need this God guy to come back in our lives. Remember him? So we need him back in our lives. And that, so that's what they do. They cry out to God, which is where that cycle picks up. Then God sends a messenger this time, a little bit different than last time. He sends a prophet. In verse 7, it says, When the Israelites cried out against him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to them, and he said to them, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. I rescued you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in. But you did not obey me. God did everything he said he was going to do. And they still disobeyed him. So why does God send this message this time? Well, I think it's because they need a reminder. If someone does something wrong against you once, you'll probably forgive them, right? Okay, they, they messed up. It was a big deal. I forgive them. What if they do it a second time? Okay, me, you know, I get it. You messed up again, I'll, I'll forgive you. What about a third time? Now it's starting to seem like they're not really sorry, are they? What about a fourth time? What about a fifth time? 
they're starting to see like they're not really repenting. They're just crying out. Oh, God, please save us, but they're going to go straight back to the same old things they were always doing. And so I think that's why later on in the New Testament, Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? I want you guys to think about that. Like seven times, that's not a big deal, right? What if someone came and murdered a member of your family? That's hard to forgive. What if they came and did it a second time? And a third time? And a fourth time? And a fifth time? And a sixth time? Once you get to seven, that's, that's pretty rough, right? I'm probably going to stop forgiving this guy. But you know what Jesus says? No, 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 seven's not enough. He says seven times 70. And Peter's like, that's 490 times. No, that, that, that's not what he was thinking. What Jesus was saying is, look, you just keep on forgiving because that's how much I've forgiven you. And that can be traced all the way back here to the book of Judges. God keeps forgiving them even when they don't deserve it. So God forgives them, sends in this message, and now it's time for him to raise a judge. So they get this reminder why they're being punishment. It's more than I told you so. He's like, listen, I'm going to save you again, but please remember what's going to happen if you disobey me. Please, this time, for the love of me. That's God talking, right? He's like, please, pay attention. So God raises up a judge. His name is Gideon, and Gideon is the super chicken. right? He's a super chicken. If we go back to, to the first slide I had, this, this, what we're talking about is talking about 300, right? Gideon, and it's way out of proportion, but it says, I promise, past the screen, Gideon and the super chicken. The other thing is when I talk about 300, I don't mean these guys. That's not the 300 I'm talking about. Now, it's a different 300, and as a matter of fact, these 300 guys got their idea from the 300 guys we're going to talk about. Because this happened way before that happened. But did you know, has anybody seen this movie, by the way, 300 Spartans? Yeah. Anybody read about it in history? Did you know that's actually, part of this is kind of in the Bible. If you're here on Sundays, you're hearing Pastor Wayne talk about Esther. And guess who Esther was married to? King Xerxes of Persia. The guy who led the Persian against these 300 guys. That's the same Bible character. His name is Asuherius in, in Hebrew. In Greek, his name is Xerxes. That's the same dude. Isn't that crazy? That's pretty cool, but it doesn't matter because we're not talking about these 300 guys, different 300 guys. But we're talking about Gideon, the super chicken, right? And this is why he's a super chicken. Listen up. We, we've already got one hero, right? Othniel, he was a war hero, remember? He had already kind of had some establishment. Ehud was a military specialist. He was a, an assassin, right? Then we get down to Deborah. She was already leading and judging Israel when it came for her time to step up as a military leader. But then we get to Gideon. So all these three people, they got all kinds of big stuff. Gideon? Nope. He ain't got none of that. Let's read. Verse 11. This is the first picture we get of Gideon. It says, The angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah. I know it looks like Oprah, but it's pronounced a little bit differently. So not the you get a car, you get a car, different person. It's actually a land. Which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now here's what I want you to pick up from this. This is like the first chance that we get to see Gideon, and he's kind of a coward, right? And that's why I call him a super chicken. But he's not the only coward, because what was all of Israel doing with their crops? Hiding it. So he's not 
the only chicken, but he is the biggest chicken. <laughs> Here's what it says. Angel of the Lord tells, he comes up to Gideon, and then uh, in verse 12, it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Some translations say mighty warrior. But Gideon has a different idea. Verse 13. It says, Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, please, my Lord, the Lord is with us. Why has he all this stuff happened? Where are all his wondrous works now that our fathers told us about? It says that the Lord brought us out of Egypt. goes on, and in verse 14, it says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grass of Midian. I am sending you. But then we get down to verse 15, and this is what Gideon replies with, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in all of Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's family. Some translations, that word youngest is also weakest. So he's saying, I'm the weakest out of all these people, my, or my family's the weakest out of all these people, and I'm the weakest in my family. You made a mistake. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm over here hiding, just trying to provide food for my family. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But he's not ready for battle. This doesn't make sense. God picked the wrong person. And I know in my life, I've often felt like when I do things, God, you picked the wrong person. <laughs> when I have to stand up in front of students, when I have to stand up in front of hundreds of people and speak, I'm like, I don't like people. Like, you picked the wrong person. But God is still able to use me. These musicians that you see on stage, they're like, uh, you some of them are probably like, you picked the wrong person. I don't want to be on stage, right? God's like, nope, I'm going to use you. Some of you are like, hey, you go into your school system, you sit next to somebody, and they're not a Christian, and you're like, oh, I feel like gosh, I should talk to them, but God, it can't be me. I'm too scared to talk to them. God's like, nope, it's you. There's a lot of things I'm sure in your life that you probably think, God, you picked the wrong person for this. And I know if I talked to each and every one of you, you'd find something in your life. But years from now, you'll look back and say, yeah, God did pick the wrong person, but he was with me. And so he was still able to use me because I surrendered to him. So all Gideon has to do is surrender to God. Then we get in verse uh, 16. But I will be with you, says the Lord. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. A little bit of foreshadowing here. So Gideon has been given his mission, and he's given two facts. God is with you, you will win. That's it. Not here's how you're going to do it. Not here's how it's going to work out. Not here are the pieces to the puzzle. God's with you, you're going to win. That's all the information he's given. So Gideon's got this first mission. We'll kind of skip down through the story a little bit for sake of time. But he's given this first mission. It's a small test, and he's supposed to destroy all these idols, Right? They're worshiping idols, right? And they can't have any of that. So he's supposed to do it. And what Gideon does, and you can read this later on, but I'll tell you, he goes out, he gets some people together, and he goes out at night. Because he's like, if they see me during the day, they're going to kill me. So like, he's so scared. He's so, such a weakling, such a super chicken. He goes out during night to destroy all the idols. And then he tries to slip away. But they find out. And the people are not happy with him. So he flees. He takes off. Then we get another test. This is what happens in uh, verse 17. Let's go to verse 17 real quick. We're going to skip down a little bit. Sorry, I messed up. Uh, let's go to verse 25. So Gideon destroys the idols. Yep. 
And on that very night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull and, and a second bull, seven years old, tear down the altars to Baal. So we read about that there. So they have all these altars. It says he goes out during the night. And look, this is what I want to focus on. This is why I'm going back to it. Verse 27. So Gideon took 10 of his male servants and did as the Lord told him to. Who did the Lord tell to take down the idols? Gideon and? Or just Gideon? Yeah. But Gideon takes 10 people. And throughout all this stuff, God still uses Gideon. So then they're getting ready for battle. Check out verse 33. All the Midianites, Midianites, Amalekites, and the Kemetites gathered together, crossed over the Jordan, and camped in Jezreel Valley. So they're getting ready for battle. The Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon, and he blew the ram's horn, and the Bezerites rallied behind him. He sent messengers all throughout Manasseh who rallied behind him, and he also sent messengers throughout Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali who also came with him. So he's getting all these people together. He's like, look, we're outnumbered. We're going to have to get some folks together to fight this battle. So he gets all these people together. And then he decides to test God a little bit more. Verse 36, it says, Then Gideon said to God, If you deliver Israel by my hand, as you said, I will put a wool fleece here on the ground, on the threshing floor. If dew is only on the fleece, and all the ground around it is dry, then I'll know you will deliver Israel by my strength, as you said. So here's what I want you to think. He goes out, he takes, a, let's say, a rug, right? He takes his welcome mat. He sets it outside, he puts it on the ground, he says, God, if, if you really want me to do this, but you've already told me a couple times you did, but if you really want me to, then that mat's going to be wet in the morning, but everything else around is going to be dry. Guess what? And that is what happened. When he got up early in the morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung dew out of it, filling a bowl of water. Go on to the next verse, 39. It says, And Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me, but let me speak one more time. So he's like, Okay, God, you did that, but if you really, really, really want me to do what you said, let me do one more test with this fleece. Let's take it outside, and this time the fleece has to remain dry, but all the ground has to be wet. So that night, God did as Gideon requested. Only the fleece was dry and the dew all over the ground. So this time, the fleece, the, the rug, the welcome mat's dry. All the ground is wet. Both of these things don't make sense. There's something that only God could do. And he keeps testing God out. Why do you think God keeps letting him be tested? Like, well, yeah, he's going to do it. But he's like, wouldn't you think he'd be, at this point say, all right, Gideon, you suck. I'm getting someone else, <laughs> right? You're not listening to me. I'm just going to go ahead and get someone else. You're being disobedient, right? Because here's what I want you to get. I want you to write this down in your brains. If you can't, maybe on your phone or something. But I want you to stick with this one, okay? Delayed obedience is disobedience. I'll say it again. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If your parents say, go wash your clothes, and you don't, and they come back and be like, hey, why aren't you clothes washed? Well, I was going to do it later. Are you being obedient or disobedient? So if God tells you to do something, and you're like, well, I'll wait. I'll go later. Is that obedience or disobedience? So Gideon's being disobedient. And if you guys were at Light Tonight, you heard me talk about that word yes, right? And that's why I tell you guys, have your ready answer for God before you even ask the question. Say yes to God before he even asks you and tells you what to do. That way you don't have delayed obedience. 
You already got the answer prepared. Gideon didn't do that. He was questioning himself over and over and over again, not only himself, but God. So it says that the fleece was dry and all the ground was wet. Then we get to Gideon. I'm going to kind of skip over the passage here. But this is what happens. Gideon has all these people. Remember, he's collected all these people. He finally got his answer from God. God's like, all right, you're definitely going out. I've showed you multiple times. I've lived up to your silly tests. So he starts off with 37,000 people to fight. And there are 15,000 Midianites. Odds are good, right? Gideon shouldn't be super chicken now. This is what God does. This is why I love him. God says, you know what? Get rid of some of them. And Gideon's like, excuse me? What? We have more. He's like, nah, that's that's too much. (laughs) You can't have too much when you're going to battle. (laughs) Nah, that's still too much. So he gets rid of some. And then he does this second thing, which is this weird thing where basically some of them, he's like, send them to go get a drink. Some of them are going to lap water with their tongue like a dog. And then some of them are going to kind of squat down and scoop water up with their hands. And he doesn't tell Gideon which group he's going to pick. He just says, separate the two groups. So Gideon's like, okay. So there are a bunch of people that get down and lap water up like a dog. And there's 300 people that scoop down and pick it up with their hands. And Gideon's like, sweet, we're only getting rid of 300 this time. God's like, nope. Those the 300 you're keeping. And Gideon's like, excuse me again? I don't have any more fleeces. <laughs> He's like, this, this isn't right. But here's the thing. They're outnumbered 50 to 1. That means every person has to kill 50 people for them to even break even. But check this out. They win. If you've been paying attention, this whole story of all these heroes in the book of Judges, there's one common theme. No matter who God raises up as a judge, who's the true hero? And if he's on your side, are you going to lose? Even with only 300? Even outnumbered 50 to 1? So Gideon wins, which is an awesome victory. But here's what happens. Two chapters later, Gideon messes up. Starts worshiping idols. Starts leading his people and that kind of stuff. So God takes him down. Then they start the cycle again on that downward spiral. So it doesn't quite end with a, with a happy ending right there, but we still got a few more judges to go to. So here's what I want you to pick up from this. Three things. One, God helps us even when we don't deserve it. And if you are alive, you know that's true in your life. Because none of us deserve God's help. We've all messed up time and time again against Him. He's forgiven us way more than 490 times. Every day he forgives us. His mercies are new every day. But he still gives us help even when we mess up, even when we don't deserve it. Number two, God uses the mundane to do the miraculous. You might think, "Uh, I can't do that, God. I'm an introvert. I'm scared of people. I'm this, I'm that. I'm not tall enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not whatever. And God says, I don't care. Maybe it's, I'm boring, God. I'm not big and bombastic. God says, I don't care. I will still use you. God uses the mundane to do the miraculous. He uses the super chicken as superheroes. Number three, forgetting God is a big mistake. That's the thing that Gideon did. 
His pride got in the way. So he won all these battles. There was absolutely no way that he could do it without God. God made sure of that. That's why he said you have too many people. You will win easily if you take that many people. If you have to rely on me, I'm going to make sure you only have 300. And so a lot of times in our lives, we rely on God to do something big, and then when he does it, we go, that was pretty cool of me, wasn't it? And forget about God. Don't forget about God. It's a big mistake. And you may not get the punishment right away, but it's coming. And sometimes it's not even God bringing the punishment. Sometimes you mess up and God just lets you go. You remember, this world is sinful. This world is messed up, right? So it's not that God is going to punish you by throwing a bolt of lightning at you. But he's not going to protect you anymore. Why should he? You're taking the credit for yourself. You can do it on your own. So remember these three things. God helps us even when we don't deserve it. He uses the mundane to do the miraculous. Forgetting God is a big mistake. As the band comes up to do our last song, I want you guys to think about this. School has started. I know I gave you guys your big commission message with that yes sermon at Light the Night. But remember, just like the end of last year, at the beginning of this one, you can be the hero in someone's life if you tap into the big hero. If you try to do it on your own, you're not going to make any leeway. There are people in your school system who don't know Jesus and who will spend an eternity separated from him if you don't step up and let them know. And I'm going to give you some tools throughout the year. I'm not saying you have to be Billy Graham or, or, or whoever to go out and win a bunch of souls. You don't have to do it that way. You don't have to get on a stage. You, you can do it in a classroom. You can do it at the lunch table. You can do it when you're playing sports. And here's the thing. How many of me are there. But if everybody in this room reached one more person, we would double. If everybody in that room would reach one person, it would double. It would grow exponentially. It says that the early church grew by thousands daily in a local area. And there are thousands and thousands of people in your lives that you can reach that I can't. I can't go to school for you. Your youth leaders can't go to school for you. Your parents can't go to school for you. They can't be involved with your sports. I can't go to your job and still do mine. I can't be involved in all the people's lives that you know, but you can. So encourage each other this year. And even if you think, God, I'm not who you think I am. God says, I don't care. I'm declaring right now you are a hero. Now go do it. And here's the two things, the same two things Gideon got. I am with you, and you will win. No other instructions than that. Be a hero by tapping into the big hero. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the students to be here, even though school has just started. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight who still needs you, who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, that they would make that commitment tonight. God, if there's anyone here tonight that is messed up, and they need forgiveness, God, I pray that they would find that. God, I pray that we'll be encouraged to be a hero for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Young Church. 
You can stay connected with us by following us on social media or feel free to stop by one week to our young church service on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Olive Branch Baptist Church. If you have any questions about this week's message or want to share how it touched your life, send an email to yc at obbcblackridge.com.